Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. This is Mike Siegel. I want to thank you for listening to part two of my conversation with comedian Matt Kirshen. Uh, it's the only second time I've done a two-part episode, and I broke it up because uh, together it would have been about a, an hour and a half. And uh, I just thought that was too long until I did the uh, Battleship Pretension podcast recently, and it went on for well over two hours. So that just seemed a little long to me, but uh, it can be done. But I didn't know if you all cared either way. Do you like the two-part format? Does it matter to you? Is an hour and a half too long? Do you like it around 45 minutes to an hour? Let me know. You can write me at mike at traveltalespodcast.com because, hey, let's face it, I'm making this up as I go along. I'm the only one in charge here, so I uh, just wanted to get your feedback and see what you people thought of two-part episodes. Does it matter to you? Does it not? Did you enjoy it? I don't know. But either way, uh, Matt has a great story uh, at the end of this uh, episode, so if you stick around, hopefully you will, because it's not that long. Why wouldn't you stick around? Anyway, uh, like I said before, if you want to write me, it's mike at traveltalespodcast.com. Our website is traveltalespodcast.com, and there you can click on our iTunes link, where you can go to iTunes and subscribe for free, which is the best price ever. Uh, subscribe for free, and while you're on iTunes, hey, give us a good rating, huh? Maybe add some stars on there to our rating, and that uh, boosts our presence online, helps people find the show, and uh, builds it up. So that's always a good thing. You can, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at tw Travel Tales Pod at Twitter, and uh, we're on Stitcher Radio as well. So you can go to Stitcher, find us at Travel Tales Podcast on Stitcher. That's it. Uh, write me. Let me know what you think. Uh, have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. I am staying in town for this Thanksgiving. I am avoiding one of the busiest travel weeks of the year, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, as much as I love to travel, this week, it's a, it's a hassle. I'll be honest with you, especially if you leave on the Wednesday, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, and I believe the Sunday after Thanksgiving is the busiest travel day of the year, apparently. Uh, that's what I've heard, and I believe it. If you've ever been stuck in an airport or tried to pick someone up from the airport or trying to get a cab that day, it's, uh, it's a nightmare. So I will be here. I will be off the roads. I will be eating. I will be uh, drinking, and I will be uh, enjoying myself. Uh, but I am planning a trip in December, and it's looking like Panama. If anybody has been to Panama... Has any recommendations? Uh, give me a uh, give me a shout, Mike at traveltalespodcast.com. I would love to hear some recommendations and uh, some feedback on the place. Uh, I'm really excited about it. So that's it. Uh, some adventures to come, but uh, for now, enjoy my second uh, half of the conversation with uh, comedian Matt Kirshen. See you later. Ça se passe, j'ai sur mon lit à bouffer Sa langue en buvant, prends mon whisky Quant à moi, peu dormi, vie débris Mais j'ai dû dormir dans la gouttière Où j'ai eu un flash This is the one thing I noticed on my trip last year That I went through, I went to like uh, Munich, Berlin, Prague Krakow, uh, Budapest And I noticed that and Since I had been to these countries Like in Germany, I hadn't been there since 89 Right So 
But I did notice that in terms Hang of... Hang on, was 89 just before, just after... I was the there the last down. summer of the wall. Right. So I hadn't been back since. Well, Berlin is now one of the, like, the hottest city in Berlin's awesome. Europe. It's a really yeah. fun city. I did I, one show there once. I did a show screwed there. Screwed it. I, I completely... I we did, were at Kookaburra. I did a, a place called the Kookaburra I can't Club, remember what it was. It was an English comedy night. Oh, no. This one was like a sort of almost variety night, and I was the guest English comic... And I did stand up for the first three minutes, and it worked. And then I had written like this sort of almost sketch piece, specially for the occasion, and it just bombed. And I was like, <laughs> I was going, gee, if I just sort of done carried on doing stand up for the rest of my set, I would have been fine. I would have been invited back a hundred times. And instead, I just screwed it. I was really pissed off. <laughs> I but, did a I did a club there. It was an English comedy night, and Avi Lieberman, comic out here, oh yeah, had done it, and so he recommended it to me. And uh, I followed a guy. No, he went after me. Thank God. It was an, a British comic, English guy, went up and dressed as Hitler and sang right. Frank Sinatra parodies. Oh, I know that guy. And called himself Frank Sinatzi. I know that guy. I can't he's, remember his real name. I can't remember his real name either. I've only ever known him as Frank Sinatzi, but yeah, yeah, I've met him. But I went to, and he killed. Did he? He killed. Right. Uh, thank God, because, man, I saw him backstage. I come backstage and there's Hitler. And I'm Berlin. I think and I'm going, technical. you got balls, friend. I think that's even illegal still <laughs> in, in Germany. Like, I think Germany has... I know. Germany has really... Like, you can't do the salutes you can't and do stuff the like salute, that. You can't do the... Uh, yeah, you, you, you know, you can't show a swastika. In, like, they, uh, they really clamp down on that stuff for some reason. Really, and he went up and did it. They really he did it. I don't know what happened in their past, but they really frowned on that. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Yeah, for some reason. But, oh, God, yeah. But anyway, my point was, it's like I turned on the TV in all these countries. I'd be in Budapest. I'd be in, you know, Poland. And there's stand-up now on TV. Yeah. This was never around up until it's, recently. It's, and it's far more in the Germanic countries, in the, in the, Germanic, the Germanic language countries. I mean, the- Germany comedy, you don't think... Those two things don't go together. No, and to see, like, German stand-ups. And yeah. even though if you don't... I, I know a few. Like, I, I used to live really? with one, Henning Venn, who's okay. based in the UK. Um, but, yeah, there's, there is there is German... And, uh, oh, uh, Michael Mittmeier, who's one of the biggest comics in Germany. Like, he's huge. He, he performs in the UK now. He's great. He's really funny. Um, but, yeah, the Germanic countries, like, you know, the, sort of the harder languages with that kind of hard-edged word order... Um, so, sort of around you know, Germany, around uh, all the Scandinavian countries, they tend to have stand-up. The romantic language the romance language countries uh spain france italy they're much newer to stand-up they tend to still have particularly france um has very few stand-ups they tend to have uh comic performers and even when they perform solo but they do characters and they're like sing there's music and yeah or they do these one person sketches where quite often someone who sort of builds as as a as a french stand-up will have They'll sort of they'll sit down on a chair and have an imaginary conversation with a character with have a like a conversation with an imaginary character next to them. It's like a one man theater piece, yeah. Than a, a stand up. Um, so almost like you know the things that Bob Newhart used to do. That's yeah. what they they do stuff like that more than guy talking all, on the phone and the yeah, and phone. they all come from theater school rather than from sort of doing comedy clubs. But that's starting to change now. They're start, again, I think it's probably YouTube and yeah. the internet in general that's making those those people be able to see the American and British and Canadian and Australian comics and kind of go, oh, maybe we can do that kind of thing in our language. And yeah. and the kids are watching it as well and thinking, well, I wonder if something like this exists for us, and they're seeking it out. It really was, uh, it struck me as almost like the 80s were here. 
that I see. I've been seeing it around the world as I'm going. It's like it's starting to take off. Yeah, you, you, you talked about it with uh, Eddie Ift here, who plays in uh, Australia all the time. Yeah, and it's just starting. You know, they're just getting a lot Brit- of the country. Britain's up until recently, gone. Australia only had like four or five channels. Yeah, Britain's you know, almost some... gone through a boom and bust. It's like yeah, I'm now worried. it's the '90s. In uh, I'm Britain. a little bit worried about Britain. Like when I was back there a few <laughs> weeks ago, uh, all my friends are like, "There's not. I don't know what's happened, but." Well, the too gig- many clubs open up. Gigs are closing Too many bad down, comics. Screw it up. And it's on TV too much. Yeah, and, saturated. And what's starting to happen is people are just seeking out the stars. So, so big names are selling out arenas, but the regular club nights that people used to just go to without knowing who was on and just go, oh, let's go and see comedy. Yeah. They're not doing that in the same way. Well, the economy has a lot to do with it, too. Econ- I started in 90, so when the, when there was a, a recession yeah, in the U.S. literally the worst time. Uh, the, yeah. Really? That's how I invest? That's how I start my career? Yeah, you were saying before the show started. I wait till after the, bu- the big boom. You bought your house at the very peak. Yeah. <laughs> you started doing stand-up. Just I like to ride was... the way down. Yeah. I like to ride the wave as it's... What's your, what's your next scheme, just so we know to avoid it? <laughs> I am the bizarro investor. You just go, yeah. So, uh, Apparently, yeah. your travel podcasts are crashing. Exactly. Like, I don't know what's happened, but they're just... But after I started, like with it, when I started there in Chicago and the suburbs, there was about fourteen full time clubs that you could go on, and there's places to get up every night. Right. Within six months, about half of them had closed. And that was your. your and that was due to the, all the. That was my. It was me. I put. <laughs> I put the nail in that coffin. But the. Uh, but yeah, it was a combination of you know cable TV now was everywhere. Right. It was on every channel. Like everybody who had a liquor license decided they would open up a comedy club. They were yeah. run badly. There was uh, a lot of bad comics. Well, the other thing uh, I was talking to Paul Provenza about this. Who obviously, you know, Paul was around right. He was in right at the peak, man. He, he was, was in, there. Yeah, he, he was there from like before the like the beginning the of the peak and to the top, and then and then saw it all come down. And it's interesting talking to him because one of the things I didn't realize also caused the sort of the bust after the boom is that it a whole generation cycled. Um, so comedy in the eighties was in the early 80s was the thing that the kids were discovering has done it and flooding towards and by the mid 90s comedy was the thing that your mum and dad liked yeah <laughs> uh and it, it was no longer the cool thing to go to because it was always on tv and it was like oh these people who look like my uncle are doing it on why is it <laughs> right um but yeah i think the recessions had a, it it's worrying uh, so I'm, I'm i'm just getting out i'm doing as many shows as i can in different countries yeah <laughs> Tell me about uh, the first time you came to America and what you thought about it and what, how it was different than your expectations. Well, the first, the first two times I came to America were on family trips when I was, I think, seven and nine. Was this Disney World? Oh, it was Disney World in Florida. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. it, it was Disney World. And then I think on one of, one of the trips, one of the trips we just did Disney went back. And the other one we did, we sort of had about two weeks of traveling around florida you know we did oh. we did we did some of the other bits we did you know you know what i i'm not a fan of florida now me but as either a kid, you know when we did and my family lives we did sea world we did you know wet and wild theme like water sure. park we did we did disney we did you know we we hit all the all the kid spots right and did you go down to uh at least get down to miami or anything or i they... don't think we did okay um so that was that you know my first experience was like it was great cuz you're a kid you're a kid and it's it's made for you. We stayed in a motel, <laughs> like a real wow. motel. <laughs> but everything seemed so spread out and right and and the the cars just must have seemed bigger and everything must have seemed bigger and the people must have seemed bigger and everything. Yeah, oh I, you know, and and I think the coolest thing in fact this will work out exactly what year it was. One of the years it was when Batman first came out. You know the first of the Batman films. The oh, one, Michael Keaton. The one Michael Keaton Jack Nicholson. Okay, yeah. And in Britain, there's no such thing as like 
as the PG-15 rating. Or at least there PG-13. wasn't... PG-13. PG-13, whatever. There wasn't then, there is now. So, um... So, in ba- Batman in the UK, I think, was just a 15 rating. 15 certificate. So you couldn't... You, if you were under that, you, you couldn't go in. Whereas in Britain... But you could see it here, though. It, you could see it here oh. if your parents let you. So we watched it, and we're like... So I went back back home. I was like, just saw Batman. I saw it in the cinema. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. And and I knew that my friends wouldn't be able to see it until it came out on video. And oh. if their parents rented it. Or it, or maybe not till it came out on the TV. A year. Well, that was also when you'd have to wait a year for it to come out on video. And then another year for it to come out on TV. Right. And also, not only that, around that time, movies came out in Britain about six months after they came out in America. That always used to be the case. Oh, right, yeah. It was, yeah, a, they, it was they, a slow lag, yeah. Yes, they come out in America, and then half a year later, we'd get it. And Where, TV as well. TV would be like a year or two later. Totally. Whereas um, in... in well, They can't do that now, obviously, because with the internet, if they wait yeah. six months, then everyone in Britain would have seen it online before they get to release it. So right. it has to come out at the same time. Um, and, t- and also other TV shows that I never saw. So I remember there was one channel, I don't know what it was, but it just showed on a, on a loop, uh, Gilligan's Island, oh my God. Leave It to Beaver... Uh, and I can't remember what else, but I'd never seen those shows, so I just watched them on a loop. Even, <laughs> even then, I loved comedy, and I was just watching, like, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd watch those. So who was your favorite, uh, like, show, American shows growing up, like, would, other than those? I, like, what was big? So I'm, I'm guessing you're a child of the 80s? Yeah, I'm ch- I was born Did in 1980. Did you get, like, the, the, oh, so you would get the, like, the A-Team and shit like that? We got the A-Team, we got, like, Morka Mindy. Oh, God, yeah. Morka Mindy was on Wednesday nights, sure. I seem to remember. Uh and how about any of the uh did you get any of the like the sitcoms what were the, like la law cosby show did you yeah, get we that had kind cosby, of stuff we had cosby uh fresh prince bel-air oh yeah uh and our, but like and the dramas like la law cheers used to be on and uh did you get cheers, cheers? yeah yeah cheers, cheers was, was very much on mash and all that stuff mash cheers and mash were both on uh nypd blue and uh, yes yeah and hill street blues hill street blues that. sure uh yeah, so we, we got all those. We although there are weird thing, the th- things that and we then didn't there's get Dynasty as well. and uh, and all those uh, yeah, those Dallas. were massive. Dallas was huge. Yeah, right? yeah, my mum loved Dallas <laughs> uh, because there was always those two British shows that were always that have been running for forty years. It was a Coronation Street, and Coronation Street, East and Enders, Enders, the East two Enders. Okay. the two diff- the two biggest soap operas that constantly vie for first place in the ratings every right. week. Yeah, Coronation Street's ITV, B- East Enders is BBC, <laughs> and they they're, they're they're the two shows that. Yeah, and they're and always up there. Australia has like one or two of those. Australia that, has neighbors and home. Neighbors, and neighbors. That was the one. It was because like well, Natalie and Brulia, I think, was on that one. Yeah, and um, and Home and Away is the other one that was, uh, Guy Pearce was on Home and Away. Okay, yeah. Uh, but the entire nation would watch. And Kylie things. Minogue was on Neighbors. Uh, but the reality shows were much bigger in. Uh, that's where they came from. Were all like Europe and stuff, but they didn't come here until Survivor came in two thousand. Yeah, and which Survivor, was a Dutch show. Survivor was never a hit in the Big UK. Brother is massive in the UK. Big Brother was. It's kind of faded now, but big. There was a time where where Survivor in the UK was nothing but huge in America, and Big Brother in America was nothing but huge in the UK. But Big Brother was a Dutch show. It's Endemol, which is a Dutch company. Yeah, and so was Survivor. It. Yeah. Um, but and I just remember Big Brother was massive. In, Big Brother in, was huge. Yeah, like when it first started, it was like all the newspapers covered it, and <laughs> like they're gonna they're gonna just watch people for weeks, and it was all yeah. People comment like columnists were going, "Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing?" <laughs> well, what do you find about American audiences uh, in comedy as opposed to like British audiences? There's less of a fo- there's there's more of a fourth wall in American comedy. Okay. They're less inclined to, to talk to you, to interject, 
and they're less needing of you to talk to them. British audiences like British audiences they want really, to engage. Yeah, and they really British audiences really hate the idea that you're just doing an act at them. Like they really don't like it. They if you launch straight into material, unless that's like a specific thing, a character you're doing, you know, if you if you walk straight up to the mic and go, so the other day I would like unless you're doing that as a joke, as like he's just starting in the middle yeah. of a conversation, they they don't like it. Um, you have to ease into it. Yeah, I've, which is tough for a, a a TV spot if you're doing you know because TV you have to just launch right into your yeah. But even even with TV, you'll sort of see if you watch a British TV spot, you'll generally see the comics. Like at the beginning, go like, hey, how's it going, guys? You good? Even if it's like a big theater, there'll still be some kind of engaging. Um, here's my little pet theory as to why that happens and why they're less, why American audiences are less likely to heckle. I've been touting this around. Here's, okay. Stand-up is an American art form. Stand-up as we do it, as we know it now, is an American thing. You know, obviously there was comedy in the UK before and there was, you yeah. know, all that like sketch performers. There was a lot and, of teams. And the and... character performers, yeah. And, think, and even a monologue guy, you know, like Peter Cook used to do monologues. And then there's people like Billy Connolly who came from the folk scene. So that was a kind of different way of doing it where they, you know, people like Billy Connolly and Jasper Carrot, who's less, far less well-known over here, yeah. um, would start off, they, they were folk musicians. And then the, the banter between songs got longer and longer until <laughs> right. the songs sort of disappeared. Um but stand up as stand up stand up is an american thing yeah and it was it started in america in the 50s really and then got brought over to the uk in the late 70s uh like 1979 is where the uk when the uk comedy store opened up which is no affiliation to the american one mm-hmm. they just went over saw the american one took the idea realized <laughs> that the name wasn't trademarked in in britain um is it still open oh yeah it's it's still like sort of the flagship is the it's the the, like the best known and biggest club in London. Okay. And and it's great. It's a really, it's a perfectly, it's in its third incarnation. It's in its third venue. And the third time they moved into a purpose-built space that's beautiful. Like it's 400 seats, no no tables. So it's almost like it's theater-style seating, but it's in a basement, low ceilings, hard walls, audience on three sides of you. Oh, that's it great. Just, it's just, it's a very r- rippable gig. Um, <laughs> but... Comedy in Britain started, like, re- 1979 is when that opened. British, American comedy started in the jazz age, w- where the comics were surrounded by jazz musicians. British comedy started in the punk age, where well, the comics were surrounded by punk musicians. Right. Um, and, and it has, and, it, and I think certainly when it first started, it has had a lot of that mentality. You know, the early guys like Lenny Bruce, Mort Saul, Woody Allen, they all, they all started, uh, they, they'd play with jazz musicians. They'd, uh... They they'd be like Dick Gregory. They'd all they'd all yeah. be working with like they'd do the Playboy Club and they used to do Mr. Kelly's in Chicago. Yeah, and the, the Hungry and, Eye, Hungry in San Eye, Francisco. San Francisco. All, exactly. the, all the albums that I had were all recorded at those places. Yeah, and those were all, <laughs> those were all sort of jazz venues. But there was also but there was also you know the the vaudeville. vaudeville there was that. Yeah, and Britain had Britain had Music Hall, which was the equivalent. And they had the Black Circuit too. So there was all like these different totally areas. totally. Uh, but, but the British, the fir- that first wave of British comics who started in like, 1979, like Alexi Sale, Rick Mail, uh, and then l- later on, like the Don French, Jennifer Saunders. Oh, yeah, all the guys from the Young Ones <laughs> yeah. um, and the comic strip live guys and and all those people. They 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 started in the in the in the punk era. You know, they used to open for, and pl- play with punk bands. You know, um, Phil. So Ju- you have to engage Phil Jupiter's back when he was used to, was a performance poet. Uh, open for the Buzzcocks, you know. It's, it's oh the, God! 
so so the audience has that had that sort of attacking mentality they're attacking you you're attacking them you need to engage them whereas i think the american comedy when it started around the 50s in that sort of incarnation had that we're here to watch a performance we're here to watch the guys riff mm-hmm. like mort sal has like what he did you know sitting on a chair with a newspaper, with a newspaper under riffing, his arm, yeah. riffing on the news that's <laughs> that's very much a jazz mentality hmm that's an interesting uh Theory and the line the lines are blurred now, obviously, because again, there's oh, right. so much cross pollination. Well, now it's more influenced on everybody has just grown up with it and seeing exactly. it, so now they're more influenced by other comics. Exactly, and there's so you know there's so much American comics playing in the UK, UK comics playing in America, and everyone watches everything right. on the internet. But so, up until the '80s, these you still had in this country, you had to open for bands and strippers and stuff like that. I yeah. mean, there, was, there were no clubs around the country. There was like three of them. Right. <laughs> you know, so the '80s and, uh, just exploded. And that everywhere. was the case until the '90s in the UK. Yeah. Um, but in the early days, in the 80s, the American comics would come over and they'd be so much more professional, but also slicker. And British audiences, that gets used as an insult in Britain still. Oh, how, too how stage-like. Is like it's and, too slick. Yeah. Uh, it, it's seen as like, oh, it's, it's a bit... It seems s- too written. Yeah. Uh, or just, yeah, too ready, too too set. Um, whereas, yeah, British, British audiences like there to be a bit of roughness around the edges. They'd rather it's a little bit shambolic. Right. Do you think... And this is off topic, though. But I always had this theory about I don't know. There's something I love Britain, and I was I've always been I have a lot of friends, and I, I've loved visiting, and I've met so many. But there is something in the English character that I've said I've said this before that they uh, there's part of them that loves to be miserable, part that loves to be miserable, and part that hates to big themselves up or anyone bigging themselves up. Like you've it's it's very much a downplayed. Know your place, Culture. kind of thing. Yeah, but absolutely, and also, I mean, Britain's very um, Britain, apart from anything else, is very class aware. Oh yeah, like hugely class aware. We, we like to pre- pretend we're not, but uh, but we but, are as well. But the idea that you know, in America, but it's nothing like there. You're America, right. everyone thinks they're middle class. Like that, you know, we we just gone through an election period where Republicans have been playing on this for. Well, the for, word "middle class" was used more than the phrase yeah. "middle class" was used more than any other phrase in the election campaign. The middle class, we've got to support the middle class. Middle class voters, middle class in Britain means something very specific, and no one in the middle class is proud of that fact. Mm-hmm. There's, it, it's weird. Like I, I'm, I'm completely dead set right, right in the middle of middle class. Like I'm, I'm. This is an epitome of it. My dad's an accountant. My mum's a teacher. Uh, we grew up in the suburbs of london you know it, it pretty it, much is it yeah. it's that that's a sort of textbook textbook middle class definition and there's no pride in that in britain there's no working you're not the salt of the you know at the heart of the country working class and people in britain are very proud to describe themselves as working class or from working class roots working class has a certain pride uh associated with it and then upper class which again means something very specific uh has a certain has an absolute comfort and self-assuredness that the middle class doesn't like the middle class is sort of slightly embarrassed about not being working class like slightly embarrassed about their comfortable you, status yeah you don't have a uh, there's not the uh, the pride of saying yeah it's also an equivalent of uh, in this country of the uh, that whole redneck thing we're yeah. proud look at us we we live in a trailer and yeah we're you know we're the heart of the yeah thing. And then, absolutely except you, don't, you without sort of looking down on it there's, there's more Brit- well, middle class just seems boring middle class is sort of boring but also kind of embarrassed <laughs> about having having an easier ride of it okay. but at the same whereas the upper class people really just don't go blah blah they don't blah, care about any of them. through life but upper class means something very specific like you could be you could be a millionaire in britain and still be middle class you might be pegged as upper middle class because of your wealth 
Right. But upper class, like a middle class person can be richer than an upper class person. Yeah, an upper class person would have like a title. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> the could, Earl of whatever. You know, you could be a bankrupt lord and you're upper class with two pennies to your name. Yeah. Where, uh, and there is a lot of that now. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and upper class is far more about lineage and mm-hmm. status Bloodline than, it, and... than it is about um, about wealth or financial stability or, or, or you, where you live. But do you think the most Americans' attitude toward that is, is uh, inspiring or delusional in a way? I don't, I don't think it's either. I think, it's, I think there, there is a certain delusion in America, um, and I think it's a problem in that America has this idea that anyone can be president and anyone can... Yeah, they really anyone, think anybody is going to be... Anyone the, can get rich. And, and that, I think, does lead to people voting against their best interests. People, yeah. people actively vote in America. Like getting rid of the estate tax and stuff? Yeah, against... When only 5% pay it? They go, I don't want to be taxed higher when, I, when I'm a millionaire. Yeah, Joe well, the plumber. Well, you're not going to be a millionaire if that tax is an instigator, because <laughs> that tax is going to pay for the schools and the roads and the infrastructure that might help your family become millionaires one day. But instead, you're giving that money to the millionaires who are keeping you down. I uh, think it's like... The, I read this. It was like the dirty little secret in America that I think about 80 to 85% of the people... You stay in the class you're born into. Yeah, um, and that's and that's and everybody really thinks they're getting. You're moving. Yeah, yeah, everyone, we're all moved up. No, no. Yeah, you, whereas if con- you were born middle class, there's a really, really good chance you're going to stay middle class. Yeah, whereas countries like Sweden have far greater social mobility. Yeah, and it, you know it's far easier. But for there's someone- not there's not a huge disparity disparity between the rich and the poor not to the extent of america i don't i don't know if there's any country well there probably is actually some i'm gonna say i don't know if there's any country with as big a gap between the rich and the poor i'm sure someone like china where there's billionaires and people earning well what you find there's disparities are massive in every country but what you don't find in every country is the the, the middle class yeah there's no middle class in a lot of these places and that's the big difference you don't want to live that way and i've seen that in a lot of countries that is a hard way you know that five percent on the top you're living. It's not just. Uh, yeah, well, it's not just a gated community. It's high ten foot fence with electrical wire and you know. Yeah, there's places where there's sort of you know mansions and slums, and they're, yeah. they're, they're the only options. Yeah, exactly. There's no sort of cottage in the middle. Of I always uh, liken it. There was a article. It was one of my favorite quotes about it when they asked Elvis Costello once about the difference between growing up in America, you know, living and living in Britain. He said, "Well, the difference is you use the mansion on the hill analogy." Where he said, every little town, you know, there's a one big mansion on the hill. Yeah. He said, in America, all the kids look at that house and go, oh, that's going to be me one day. I'm going to have that. And yeah. then in, he said, in England, we grew up and then we'd look at that house and go, one day I hope that old bastard gets what's coming to him. Yeah, that's absolutely. <laughs> like, and, that, and he said, that was essentially a difference. That's, that's perfect. That's exactly it. <laughs> but they love to tear down the celebrities. Even well, the, I, yeah, they I love that. I think because of that as well, because of that mentality, that's the, it's exactly the same thing. Britain, Britain doesn't like success. Britain likes the path to success. Okay. And the triumph over adversity, like they they love the story of someone you know that someone coming from nothing and making something of themselves. But the second they have made something of themselves, fuck that guy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Who does he think he is out there on the hill? And the worst thing you could do is act like he's got absolutely you know, money. Right. So yeah, it's it, Britain's very interesting. Australia's got the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. So I think they call it tall poppy syndrome. <laughs> they want to cut it down. Like the um, yeah, that, there's there's very much. Um, there's very much that idea that yeah, six, and, and that and that's also why people can't brag. Can't, people can't boast in 
in Britain. People can't. People have to underplay themselves. Like a show of wealth, which be is a real thing. And... Yeah, I think I'm, it's really interesting, particularly LA, where everyone's bigging themselves up and everyone's telling themselves. Yeah, they're full of shit. Yeah, but but <laughs> there's a certain refreshing honesty to it as well. I like in LA. I like where someone someone's not afraid to tell you what they're doing, and like some, someone in LA will go, "Hey, hey, this is what I do. I I think we could work well together. I'm good at my job. It will complement your job." But whereas in Britain, you, you you the the way you big yourself up is by putting yourself down as much as possible. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you sort of have to go in and go. I am just the worst. I am the shittest <laughs> of the shit. <laughs> and like you know the. The, so am I. Let's work together. Exactly. Like the more, almost like the more you underplay yourself, and the more you, the more you put yourself down, the more confident you must have. You'll, you'll, oh well, uh-huh. if if he's telling you he's terrible, then well, he must be good. Otherwise, he wouldn't. <laughs> it's really hot. <laughs> Goes back to the stiff upper and the whole thing. Yeah. But you and, think the weather has something to do with it? I'm convinced that some of it is just the condition of uh, I don't you know, I don't know I mean like misery I think a lot of it does come from that sort of the old feudal system I think it does like what Elvis Costello was talking about the, you yeah. know, the mansion on the hill there was very much that sort of everyone knows their place and you sort of you sneer at the at the at the lord and you don't want to pretend to be the lord you want to be uh, right but also it's a it's a much older country and it's much uh, more set and those those class distinctions have been hardened over time yeah whereas one of the things whereas that, uh, we're very young, and I think we're getting more and more. Yeah, I can, I can yeah. almost see it in my lifetime how the class distinctions have gotten harder. Well, initially, and, I, I think you're right. And initially, America was, was, in theory at least, founded with the idea that, you know, these people came from wherever, and we, we can make a new thing of ourselves. So it, it was originally founded as a kind of classless society. But also, the middle class is a very new thing. Yeah. It's only been in, like, the last hundred years. This, it was just like there was a lot of money – and then there was farmers, and that was yeah. it. You know th- that that was pretty much totally like like that in this country. I, so it's really since the 19th century. I think one of the things that's awful about say Dubai, when we were talking about earlier, is a lot of sort of what's happened is a lot of people have gone to that country trying to recreate a class system over there and putting themselves at the top. Right. So that's what's really horrible about the mentality you sometimes see over there with the expats in some of those countries is they've sort of gone. They've created a new life for themselves, and they're these awful people who are just suddenly gone, we're at the top of the pile now. Yeah, we have money, and we, we need to order people around. And, and yeah, now I'm the Lord, and you're my servant, and blah, and it, 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 that's some of that, that's what's going on. Right, right. Well, we, well, we got to wrap this up here. Okay, so uh, final thoughts. Yes. Do you want to, you thinking of staying here, or do you want to go back? And I'm thinking of staying here for the time being. Okay. Now, do you have? Do you need a a work visa, a sponsor? How does I, that work? Yeah, I got a visa. Um, I can You're now stealing comedian jobs from uh, good well, American I, citizens. I Thank you very much. To, I have a thing that basically says that I'm not doing that. Like, to get the visa in the first place, you have to submit all these documents that show that you're an original and unique performer who you, you've sort of got to show that. Well, we've seen your act. Uh, come on, let's. I am. I'm legally. You might not agree <laughs> with it, but according to the, according to your State Department. I am. You're an, unique. I am an alien of extraordinary ability. Are that's you what my really? visa says. That's what, okay. That's what's stamped in my passport. <laughs> of extraordinary ability. So if any if anyone heckles me, if anyone's like, ah, you're shit, like, well, um, I think you'll find that your own government. Yeah, not according to the State Department. I'm not. Yeah, the. Uh, I have extraordinary ability, according to the State Department. Hillary Clinton herself has authorized <laughs> signed it. Did uh, does that? How long? How many years does that? Go this, for? The visa I've currently got lasts for three years. Oh, that's nice. Uh, and then I'll probably apply for a green card after that. Okay. Because it's just a little bit easier. And you get to go through the 
you get to go through the American line in customs if you've got the green card. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Which is two hours less when you enter the country every time. <laughs> Heathrow is a zoo. Heathrow is... Absolutely. I've never been there when it wasn't massively crowded and chaotic. Yeah. And uh, talk about delays. and That's a, that's a tough oh, one. Yeah, it's... It, that's so why it's so much easier now just traveling around Europe. You just go over a border and you wave, you vaguely wave a passport oh, yeah. at them and they kind of like, like I, I bust around Europe when I was 18 and I don't think past a checkpoint once you just go, we were just on this like bus trip and you just go from country to country. Had the EU been established? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The so that was their pre-EU and then you had to change money at every single oh, country. Oh yeah, Euro's and... great for that. It's... Oh, that was a hassle. Yeah, it's just, just one current. Like, you know, you had, I had to change money when I went to Denmark on that trip, but everything else, France, Germany, Holland, Spain. Uh, oh, Czech Republic was different. Czech Republic Oh, yeah, was, that was... I can't even remember what the currency is in the Czech Republic. The krona. It, it is the krona, yes. Yeah, they still have that. Yes, still they have do. that, and then... Uh, Switzerland's just, different. Swiss francs. Oh, the francs. Switzerland. Zurich was the most expensive city I've been in a while. Right, And yeah. I'd just been to London, and, you know, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, that's expensive. But Zurich going, was nuts. But then going through France and seeing all the good bits and seeing all the... There's some shitty bits of France. Oh, yeah. Bordeaux. Horrible. Really? Never been. Bordeaux is horrible. We went... We went... I don't know if you've got time for that. Well, is he going to get a story? Go ahead. But, uh, yeah, we were, on the, we, were on, we were on this trip. And Bordeaux... Bordeaux, you think of... It's where the most expensive wine comes from. Like, Bordeaux, right. It's only when you get to the town you realize, oh, they don't... Vineyards aren't in the center of the city. <laughs> yeah. And we were only going to be there for one night, uh, and I was traveling at this point. I was on this bus trip, and I was by myself, but you know you sort of pair up with people for certain bits of journeys? Sure. So I was with these two sisters from California. Okay. Uh, there's always the stray Australian who's yeah. hanging out, too. Yeah, totally. Sure. And there's, a, there's always there's one Israeli guy as well. Yeah, yeah one, one Israeli, Israeli guy. guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and a Swede. There's yeah. always a Swede on the bus. Um, so we, we decided, like, we're only going to be in Bordeaux. We got in there at, like, seven, like eight at night. We're, the bus is leaving at 7 in the morning. Like fuck it, we'll just stay up. We'll drink. We'll have some coffee. We'll sit on the park bench. Um, mm-hmm. We're there for about uh, twenty minutes, and this guy cycles past this kid, and he tries to sell us drugs. Right. And we were like, we don't have any money. So uh, uh, I'm the only one, by the way, in this group who speaks any French. <laughs> I got schoolboy French. The, the rest oh, of them, okay. Uh, the rest of them, like the other, the sisters, speak Spanish because that's what they learned. Right, school. because in California, uh, sure. Uh, so I got my schoolboy French, and we're like, no, and Rianne Darshan, whatever. <laughs> and, they, uh, and he cycles off. Then a priest comes past about half an hour later. We're still there. And informs us the, the park we're in is the main meeting point in Bordeaux for rent boys and customers <laughs> of rent boys. <laughs> um, side note, with hindsight, I have no idea, A, how I understood him how i knew what the french you sure was he was offering was. drugs you sure it might not have been drugs I, I, i'm pretty sure and i'll tell you why later okay. uh, <laughs> um also no idea what the priest was doing in the rent boy park yeah wanting people off well i've got a fair idea as well, but um so we we're trying to work out what to do late night stroll there uh, father yeah hmm. we're trying to work out what to do we really um Pierre, I'm going to call him Pierre, the, sure, the, the, the drug dealer guy, comes <laughs> comes peddling comes peddling back and sort of goes, you still here? And we're like, yeah. And he's like, you know, this is the main meeting point for rent boys and customers around. And we, yeah, yeah, we know. Uh, <laughs> the priest told us. And he goes, why don't you, why, he was like, why, why, aren't you, why aren't you staying somewhere? And we're like, oh, we, we don't have any money. We're just going the next morning. And he said, why don't you come back to mine? Oh, here we go. Uh, 
I'm aware, by the way, I don't come across as a genius in this story. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, sure, yeah, sounds like a no. perfect idea. Oh, Even you- after you've been told... That yeah. this is where why the not, gay pickup spot. Why don't we go back to the the, the what could possibly the home of go the wrong? Drug dealer in the rent boy park. <laughs> me and two girls with no one who knows where we are. This is. I don't think I even and had the a girls phone. agreed to this. Yeah, yeah. Oh no. Um, uh, the, you know, the girls were like particularly one of them was a much more savvy like traveler. You know, she she grew up in Berkeley. She like I right. I think I'd had one spliff with in her, my life. With her she hippie parents had everything. Sure. Uh, so um, so we went back to theirs. We went back to his. His place is a his place is a full on squat. Oh no! But it's but uh, you know there's stairs missing. There's no electricity. There's no plumbing, uh, <laughs> and uh, and there's just him and his and his other friend in there. Like, we'll call him Jack, just for simplicity. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, but they're really they're really hospitable. They give us food. They give us drinks. We're there for yeah, a while. Place with roofies. Yeah. <laughs> um, after a while, one of the sisters, uh, Linda, decides she needs the bathroom. Uh. Pierre, who who speaks, um, sorry, Jacques rather, who did speak French, like sorry, speak that. Jacques speaks English. Okay. He goes. I'll show. I'll show. I'll show. I'll show Linda where the bathroom is. So we were just left there. Me, Rita, the other sister, and Pierre, our original friend. They're gone for a while. Oh no. They're gone for a long, long time. Uh, like you know, ten, twenty, thirty minutes. Like eventually, we're getting worried. Oh. Uh. We so, we say to I so eventually I muster up my schoolboy French and just go like you know where's where are they like, où est le sir I think la sir où est le Pierre pulls out a gun oh my god and starts waving it around and starts saying something in French about safety like he's like if you want to like he's like he's like stay here stay with me. Security, like security, was one of the words I pick out. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, by the way, side note again: having a gun pointed at you doesn't help your language skills. No, <laughs> like it's just <laughs> you, know, you don't know. You, you, it doesn't help your bladder skills. It either. doesn't exactly. You you switch to the vu form. <laughs> yeah. uh, you you go to more formal. More formal, right? yeah. Um, but so we're there, and there's this weird impasse. Well, I can't quite understand what he wants. Uh, he's sort of muttering, like, if you want to be safe, stay here. We hear noise outside. There's footsteps coming up to the door. He's still got the gun pointing it up, like, pointing around, waving around. The door opens. It's it's Jack and Lisa. Like, they come back. They wander into the scene. Was it Linda or Lisa? Sorry, Linda, rather. Okay. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> Jack, and, Jack and Linda, they were... Good memory. Yeah. Uh, they wander into the scene, and Jack says something to Pierre in rapid French. Pierre says something back to Jack in really rapid French. And I said to Jack, who speaks English, like, what, is, what does he want? What's he saying? And he goes, um, he is saying, um, it's safer for you guys to stay in here with him because he has the gun. <laughs> he, he was, all he was telling us was like, oh, it's dangerous out there. You don't want right, right. to be searching out there. There's rent boys and all sorts out there. Like, stay in here with me. I've got the gun. I'll me keep you the- safe. <laughs> Just, that was his stoned drug dealer way of trying to tell us, stay here, it's my, look, I'm a good host, I've look, got this gun here Waving the gun around. <laughs> like, it's just... What did Linda say? Where, where did they go for so long? What it, what, what it turned out was, the squat with no plumbing doesn't have a bathroom. Oh, they had to go like two buildings over or something? What they do, normally, is just go behind the building. Right. 
but Jacques was so much of a gentleman, he didn't want to let a lady do that. He wanted some actual indoor plumbing. So they walked like a mile and a half up the road to a gas station. <laughs> <laughs> so so it was, like, it was the most innocent explanation. They'd walk, they walked for like, a, like 30 oh. minutes to go and find somewhere for her to be. Meanwhile, we're there having a gun... Oh, God. And then we sort of half... Sl- oh, oh, by the way... Did you try sleeping? Jack started punching Pierre then for showing us the gun. Apparently it was meant to be a secret that they had oh. it. He's like, you don't show them that! He starts hitting, <laughs> he starts hitting the guy with a the gun. There's this dog in the corner that's incontinent as well. I found oh. it. <laughs> just... <laughs> so we just like... I, I had like my... I had like a sleeping bag in my rucksack. We just like pulled it over my head and half slept for about half an hour. And then our alarm... Like, oh my like watch alarm goes off, yeah. and we're like, it's time to get the time bus, go. let's go, let's go. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. Did you, so when you left, did you, like, you know, give him any, like, you know, a franc or something? We had nothing to get, we had no money, but we... Jar we just, of Nutella? But also, what? they were asleep, we just slunk, we just oh slunk God. out. <laughs> you were gone. That's a great story. Does not make me want to go to Bordeaux. No, I, I, I would happily never go... Where you suddenly get like a thousand listeners from Bordeaux just go, How dare you? It's a beautiful town. But the bit of it I saw was a shithole. <laughs> okay, so that's a great story. That's good. So, what's next for you? Where do you want to, where, uh, where are you traveling to? Where can people see you? What's where am I traveling? Well, I'm. Website? Oh, if you or? find, uh, just find my Twitter at Matt Kirshen or mattkirshen.com is my website. That's K E R S H K I R S H E N. You know what? The easiest thing to do is just Google what you think my name is. <laughs> And it's such a weird name that it'll suggest me as the first option if you get even vaguely close. Was it shortened from Kirschenbaum? It was shortened from Kirschenbaum. Sure, there's yeah, a lot of Kirschenbaum. Cherry tree. Yeah. I dated a Kirschenbaum uh, okay. in Brooklyn. Yeah, and it was shortened by that. And then my my grandfather and his brothers chose different spellings for some reason. So right. I got the weird. I got there should be a C in there. There isn't. Like it, my spelling's weird. But if you Google my name, you'll get me. Uh, and next traveling for me, I guess. Well, I'm in Canada next week, just doing some shows up there. Uh, then I'm back in the UK over Christmas, and then I'm back here. Oh, I've got a gig in Lanzarote as well. Lanzarote? Where's that? It's... I don't even know. It's Mediterranean. I'm pretty sure it's Mediterranean. Lanzarote. So, well, sounds Italian, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's somewhere on the Med. But it's a, <laughs> it's one of those holiday resorts oh, okay. over Christmas, so I'm going to be there. Oh, uh, so you're going to be back? Are you going to be in uh, see the family over Christmas? I'll see the family over Christmas, and I'll fit some shows in around that. Well, that'd be fun. And then... And then, uh, I don't know, hopefully Australia in the new year again. I like Australia. I've not been there for a bit, and I've got a sister who lives out there. Oh, yeah, I'd love to go back there. Yeah. i got to get your names of these uh, bookers, because I, w- I really want to travel. Yeah, we'll swap details. All right, awesome. Matt Kirsch and everybody, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you. Oh, can I plug Probably Science as well? Which is the oh, other yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the uh, podcast I did yes, last week. Yes, you were on last week. Um, Pro- uh, I was on, yeah, Probably Science with Andy Wood and you. And Brooks Whelan. Um, and yeah, that's a little science-based podcast, Topical Science Stories. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, well, this has been a lot of fun as well. Yeah, and then we were also on the Ardent... Uh, Ardent Atheist podcast. Ardent Atheist podcast. podcasting. Yes, this is... we got to stop very incestuous. Like very incestuous. But uh, no, it's been great. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Mike. Cheers. Matt Kirsch and everyone.